Innovation. It's a simple word, but one with profound implications for the banking industry. Smart devices, fintech, innovation labs, disruption. Where does one even start and where does it all lead to? To find out the answer to those questions and more, we'll be talking with innovation expert Miranda Hill. Welcome to BAI Banking Strategies, where each week we'll focus on the key issues facing financial services leaders. We'll bring you objective opinions and actionable insights that'll help you power smart decisions. I'm your host, Lou Carlozo, the managing editor of BAI. Come on in. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of our podcast. Our podcast posts on Mondays, and you can check us out on Apple's podcast app, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Google Play. Well, if you haven't marked your calendar, you're going to want to mark it now or maybe even get a stopwatch out because Wednesday, May 10th is the submission deadline for the BAI Global Innovation Awards. Speaking of which, we have someone on the program today who's been involved in the BAI Global Innovation Awards before and is serving as an advisor this year, Miranda Hill. Miranda is based in Seattle and is the Director of Commerce Strategy and Digital Innovation at ThoughtWorks, where she provides insights into evolving trends, disrupting industries that include retail, financial services, and airlines. Previously, she managed the Wells Fargo Digital Innovation Lab, where she built a core competency around customer-centric test and learn capabilities. Miranda Hill, welcome to the program. Thanks so much, Lou, for having me. Now, innovation is more important than ever, especially as opposed to 10 years ago. It seems like a lot has changed. A lot has changed. I would say that we're at a really exciting inflection point in our collective history. In 2020, which is literally just around the corner, there will be 50 billion connected devices out there in the marketplace, which means that individuals are going to go beyond owning a smartphone, owning a tablet, owning a PC, and they're going to go into, of course, smart wearables, smart home devices, connected car experiences, and the such. So we're really living in um, a very interesting time from a technology perspective. And I think we're able to make that leap because of some key forces that I see out there in the marketplace today. Of course, we have sort of lowered cost of computing, right? But you also have the emergence of cloud computing and the emergence of APIs and social, mobile, machine learning, artificial intelligence, and all of these forces are creating this perfect storm for innovation. So this is really an extraordinary time for innovation. I think what was hype and sci-fi years ago are becoming our reality today. I'm sure we have people listening that are saying, okay, Miranda, you've sold me. I've been thinking about this, but where on earth do I start? There are a number of different factors, a number of different revolutions, if you will, that are taking place today. One of those revolutions is more technology-focused, and the other one is more customer-focused. And I'll talk about the technology piece first. I think that from a technology perspective, you're seeing sort of current-day legacy systems, right, very rigid technology stacks becoming sort of torn down, if you will. And there's a requirement for these tech stacks to be more open and nimble platforms so that you can actually decouple parts of your value chain 
and repackage them in new ways. And I think that technologies such as APIs, for instance, allow you to do just that. Um, so you've got this more sort of nimble platform in the background, and you've also got what I think is the new digital currency, which is data, right? Traditionally, data is an asset, of course, that a lot of FIs have. However, they tend to be stored in different systems of records that are very, very siloed. But given the fact that you can have systems talk to one another through this more nimble platform and through APIs, you can actually get data to become more fluid and you can generate value from that data that you own in new ways. Value for the business could look like financial institution, for instance, being able to provide some of that data to a third party to be able to do something with that data. You know, PSD2, which is a directive in Europe, is going to allow just that. It's going to allow financial institutions in Europe to be able to sell that information to third-party providers so that they could do something with that data. So data becomes a revenue generation opportunity for businesses, but data is also a valuable asset for customers that they can own and they can tailor and they can curate on their own. Customers will now be able to get a 360-degree view of all of their data and be able to get meaningful insights and better advice about how, for instance, to manage their finances as a result of this fluidity of the data. Mm-hmm. So that's a second piece of the technology revolution that I think is happening. And the third piece is just the customer-facing manifestations of technology. I had mentioned the device proliferation, right, 50 billion connected devices by 2020, like Internet of Things devices, right? On average, individuals might own 6.5 different connected devices on them by 2020. That's another statistic that's out there, which is amazing, right, to think about. Add to that the fact that there are these evolving interactions um, that simplify experiences for customers, things like conversational UI, things like augmented reality, mixed reality, virtual reality, all of these new customer-facing interactions enabled by technology, if you will, allow for a more immersive experience for customers. And so what I think is happening right now is that a lot of these startups in the fintech world are taking these sort of evolving technologies and focusing on what I call the 3D mantra for fintech, which is one, disintermediate, two, disrupt, and three, delight. And there are a lot of fintech organizations that are used doing just that. Now, with the Global Innovation Awards this year, you're serving as program advisor, and I'm wondering what you might hope to see in terms of the pool of innovations that are going to be submitted this year. I'm really excited to see the nominations this year, to be quite honest. When I was a judge last year, I saw a lot of different FIs from around the globe kind of dabble in some of this new technology, right? Machine learning, AI, blockchain, omni-channel, augmented reality, mixed reality, right? Which is really great and really exciting. But they were all kind of experiments, and a lot of it was really great technology looking for a good use case. We saw some really, really compelling use cases. 
What I'd like to see this year, 2017, is for these FIs to really go beyond experimentation and really use some of these technologies to really truly solve business challenges and customer pain points. And not just to be able to solve those pain points, but really to be able to add value back to the business by using these technologies to deepen relationships, to predict customer behavior potentially, right? Really help customers manage their finances and empower employees, right, to be able to function better at their jobs so that they can serve their customers and once again, build those relationships with them. We've got five new categories going this year for the BAI Global Innovation Awards, and one of them is Innovative Accelerator or Incubator. And I'm wondering why this is an important category to recognize in your eyes, especially as it pertains to financial services, and what will be key to look for in terms of picking out the leaders? I think that it's an exciting new category for sure. I think the reason why I like seeing it on there is because there are a lot of FIs who are really investing in innovation, right, and really trying to rethink and reimagine what experiences could be like for customers. And so they've set up these labs, innovation centers, incubators, accelerators, whatever you want to call them, to be able to do just that. And I think there are some that are going to be very successful at it and some that may not see sort of the maximum value that they'd like to see from these investments. And I think there are a number of different factors that play into making something like this really successful. So I'd really like to be able to see what are the different accelerators and labs that are out there and really understand how they function and which ones are set up best for success. Indeed. And yet sometimes within large financial institutions, they set up innovation labs. And last season, we had Connie Dorstein from Shiraz Partners on the show. And she said this, innovation labs at large financial institutions are the places where ideas go to die. And (laughs) you and I both know differently to an extent that when an innovation lab is done right, it can make all the difference in the world, whether the financial institution is large or small. What kind of revolutions are you seeing or that are in development that you think will change the innovation center or hub landscape? I understand where she's coming from with that perspective, but I think there are definitely some certain things that are potential challenges of innovation centers. And I'll talk about that first before I talk about some of the things that you can do to kind of avoid some of those pitfalls, if you will. So I think some of the challenges are you don't want to set up a lab or an innovation center and have what I think is the new coined term that's out there, innovation theater. You want to avoid innovation theater, which means you want to avoid just doing innovation for innovation's sake. It's great to get some demos and prototypes out the door and to be able to market them and do some PR work around them, but you want to be able to quickly take those new concepts and ideas and test and learn around them, get those learnings, And if it is a successful win, right, for the business as well as for the customer, you want to be able to productionalize that really quickly. And I think there are some labs and accelerators and incubators out there that might focus more on just the theater showcasing piece and less on the production piece. 
And so I think that's one potential pitfall. The other challenge that a lot of these labs might have is just not really thinking about that path to production, right? So you want to test and learn quickly, you want to iterate, and then you want to disposition. Is this a win that we move forward, or is this something that we need to fail fast? And if it is a win, then you want to be able to graduate that into production, which means that you need to find a path to production from your lab's environment into sort of the business-as-usual technical team. And there's different ways to do that, but I'm not sure if there's a lot of innovation groups out there that are necessarily thinking about sort of that holistic journey for that concept. Mm -hmm. And then I think the third pitfall that could occur is just remaining relevant to your organization. One of the things that can happen very quickly is you create this innovation group, right? And all of a sudden, you've got this team that has these fantastic ideas and runs the experiments and and showcases the opportunities, which is great, but they sometimes tend to be ivory Mm -hmm. (laughs) tower-ish about the role, if you will. And so what you want to do is is not do that. You want to avoid being an ivory tower. You want to be able to actually build bridges within the organization to the folks who really understand the customer, right? That might be the customer research folks or the marketing folks, or to the folks who really understand the business. And that might mean partnering and building bridges with a number of different line of business partners. So you understand really what's top of mind for mortgage, what's top of mind for investments, what's top of mind for credit cards, and pulling all that information in and actually collaborating with a lot of these internal partners to co-develop some of the opportunities. And in doing so, you're not just creating great ideas for innovation's sake, you're creating ideas to really solve the needs and pain points of the customers as well as the businesses. So that's, I think, one way to kind of continually add value as an innovation group is to build those bridges and continually stay relevant to those businesses. In a world of innovators, you are a leader. And thanks so much for coming by the program today. Thank you so much for having me. Miranda Hill is the Director of Commerce Strategy and Digital Innovation at ThoughtWorks. She's based in Seattle, and you can look for Miranda on LinkedIn. And be sure in the ramp up to the BAI Global Innovation Awards to stay up to date on Twitter, LinkedIn, and also at BAI.org backslash global innovation. And here are three key takeaways from today's podcast. Number one, the smart era is here. Through wearables, smart devices, connected cars, and more. It's estimated that by 2020, there will be 50 billion connected devices, 6.5 per person. It creates a perfect storm for innovation to meet those devices and the needs of the banking public. Number two, remember the three Ds, disintermediate, disrupt and delay. Think of disruption as answering old banking challenges in brand new ways and embrace technology and innovation itself. And number three, innovation culture is an across the board affair that spans the organization. It's not in any one silo or ivory tower. Beware of innovation theater, the creation of innovations for innovation's sake or to look like you're innovating. Take new ideas and concepts, test them. The goal is to graduate to production or fail quickly. 
This is how innovation hubs remain relevant to banking organizations. And speaking of innovation, don't forget that the BAI Global Innovation Awards have extended nominations through May 10th. Get those nominations in there and let the whole world know who's innovating and making a difference in the financial services sphere. Now, there was one man who undoubtedly changed the face of innovation for the financial technology world, even though he was operating in computer technology himself. Steve Jobs. Here at a 1997 developers conference, Steve Jobs speaks out about the subject of innovation as it relates to a familiar topic for everyone in the banking world, customer experience. Listen to what he has to say. You've got to start with the customer experience and work backwards to the technology. You can't start with the technology and try to figure out where you're going to try to sell it. And I've made this mistake probably more than anybody else in this room. And I've got the scar tissue to prove it. And I know that it's the case. And as we have tried to <clears throat> come up with a strategy and a vision for Apple, it started with what incredible benefits can we give to the customer? Where can we take the customer? Not, not starting with, let's sit down with the engineers and, and figure out what awesome technology we have, and then how are we going to market that? And I think that's the right path to take. Incredible stuff from Steve Jobs, certainly one of the greatest innovators of our time. He really gives us something to ponder. Do our organizations follow his words of wisdom regarding customer experience? And if not, should they? No doubt Jobs himself would probably encourage us all to think different. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. Don't forget to go to BAI.org and check out our growing archive of podcasts. I'm Lou Carlozo, the managing editor at BAI. We'll see you next week. So long. <laughs>